Are you recording? You are. Okay. I am, but we can cut this. No, no, that's okay. Don't yeah. you worry. Oh, I'm not. <clears throat> that's what editing is for. Absolutely. That's good. Yep. These are good levels. Just like the 80s again. Did you hear $100 million worth? I mean, $1 million worth of cocaine washed up on a Florida beach this week. That's a real. lot of blow. That's real, man. And that's realer than real deal Holyfield. <laughs> and now you hookers and hoes know how I feel. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I again am Mark Davis, and I am here in basking in the glory of Seth Ford. How are you, Seth? I don't want to soak up all this glory. I want to I want to catch a little glow off of you tonight. Please. We're recording this evening. Soak away. Yes. Uh, and we are here to talk about... A very close and dear song to you. Is it? <laughs> I will probably not. No, not really. <laughs> this song is uh, basically the song that started this idea mm-hmm. uh, when I was trying to think of a podcast idea and we were talking after trivia one night. That's right. That's right. You're, you're refreshing my memory. I'm refreshed. The song came on a Spotify playlist mm-hmm. that had been made for me. By Spotify, and you were just like, these lyrics are terrible. The song is terrible. God, and yeah, they and are. Yes, and it is Jefferson Starship. Not to be confused with Jefferson Airplane. Not to be confused with Starship. Uh, they had gone through. They had been. You know, they 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 went the Prince route, man. If he wasn't trying to mess with our heads through name changes, these guys definitely were. Absolutely. Just a name change every so often, every time they put on new underwear, which, you know, in the 60s, they really kind of <laughs> didn't was, really go for. <laughs> this was their Diamond and Pearls, Diamonds and Pearls era, new power generation. This Exactly. This is their new power generation uh, iteration, the new power generation iteration of, of, of the Jefferson uh, uh, lexicon. And this song is called Jane. Oh, boy. Oh boy. So yeah. first we're going to give you a little bit of background uh, into Jefferson Airplane at the, or Jefferson Starship. <laughs> I'm going to screw that up all over the place. Jefferson Starship at the time. Um, so Jefferson Airplane, well known probably most for the song White Rabbit. Yeah, well that, and probably also Somebody to Love. Yes. Yeah, that was really... They, of course, uh, Jefferson Starship sprung from the loins of Jefferson a- Airplane in the early 70s. Uh, Jefferson Starship, Starship was actually a, a track on a, on a record that Paul Kantner, their guitar player, their original guitar player was working on called Blow to the Empire. It was when he was starting to go off in his prog rock space you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, direction, you know, at the end of the 70s, at the beginning of the 70s, right after the birth of uh, the child that he had with Grace Slick. Um, they got to work on this. That that album, Blow to the Empire, actually was one of the very few records to win a Hugo Award. That doesn't happen that often, but they did. Um, and that's where the Jefferson Starship came from. Uh, there was a track on there called Starship. But uh, they began in the early 60s in San Francisco, him and another guy, um, <clears throat> Marty, oh, I can't remember his name, Marty, an, another fellow that was in the group, Marty Balin, 
uh, as as folkies. They were essentially just folkies. And then they had heard thing, you know, the Beatles hit, and then they had heard the Birds and other groups, and they all of a sudden wanted to wanted to do that. So in good order, they just fell right in line and became a psychedelic group. And the result of that is a really great record that I do actually like a lot called Surrealistic Pillow, which had Somebody to Love and White Rabbit and a couple other really great tunes on it. But um, yeah, so we should probably go ahead right now and say that Jefferson Airplane fucking rules. Jefferson Airplane is really good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I mean, a lot of that stuff is just a Bark lot of... might not have. Bark came along in 70s and might not have been the best record, but everything before that was pretty good. Yeah. A lot of that stuff. I mean, I'm not going to say it's, you know, 110% through and through the best stuff on the face of the planet, yeah. but Somebody to Love is a great song. And a lot of that stuff makes you want to just do copious amounts of hallucinogenics and if they're on hand <laughs> to just oh, yeah. gobble them up absolutely um and uh you know they uh they quickly fell from grace they slick. did yeah well grace slick the rest of the band kind of developed uh well i mean as was <laughs> as was tradition um you had them uh they all kind of just degenerated into a lot of drug use drug use um grace slick was really, she really, really enjoyed a drink. Um, she was much more of a drinker. As a matter of fact, uh, she came to be known as Grace Slicker a little later on. Mm. Um, that's not true. I just made that up. I'm sorry. But yeah, um, she did have a little, she had a battle with the bottle that lasted well, uh, the better portion of her life. Um, uh, you know, and, and there were a lot of a lot of members of the band, you know, left and came back. She did that quite a few times throughout the years. But around 1974, we got to what we're talking about right now, and that is Jefferson Starship. Paul Cantor decided to go in a different direction with, along with Marty Balin. He was one of the originals, but he didn't really have so much uh, a lot of say so in writing. But uh, and and also this record uh, was actually released, I believe, in 1979. Yes this, yes, this is this this is right on licking the taint of the 80s. <laughs> this is just nuts to butts on the 80s. And I mean, it was definitely like showing you what's what was going to happen with the 80s. This right. is as proto 80s as it, as it gets. Uh, something that I think is really interesting. You were talking earlier about uh, blows against the empire. The musicians on that record. Um, you know, it was Paul Kantner, Grace Slick, right. Joey Covington, yes, Jack Cassidy, all of Jeff- Jefferson Airplane, all Jefferson Airplane people. Yeah. I think the ba- the bassist and someone else from Jefferson Airplane, had Jorma, split. yeah, Jorma Karkinen, Co- Kokinen, I think his name was. He had left, but yes, you're right. And then filling in was David Crosby and Graham Nash. Didn't know that. And Jerry Garcia, Mickey Hart. And Bill Kreutzmann, wow. all of the Grateful, Grateful Dead. Dead. Yeah, that was your band on this album. Yeah, this ba- this album that won a Hugo Award. Yeah, you had three members of the Grateful Dead. Three, you know, Mickey Hart and and Jerry Garcia. I mean, that's that's a hundred and ten percent Grateful Dead. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the Grateful Dead, but I definitely recognize their influence, and they're not horrible anymore. I'm not 16 anymore. Um, yeah, you know, they 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 were definitely influential, and they weren't as you know. I give a little bit of a break now these days to the Grateful Dead, but to have that that I could lineup see them on popping your record, up, I could see them popping up on this podcast at some point for oh, sure. Well, I hope that we are able to exhume the body of uh, of Jerry Garcia and bring him in here with some voodoo and have him jump on a mic. I'm sure, we and, can uh, give us an explanation of how Althea was written. <laughs> Come on, talk about American Beauty, there, Jerry. <laughs> um, so then we fast forward to 1979. 
Yes. 1979. And we have... Uh, now, I, I think it's important to say that I do not have the gripe with Jefferson Starship and Starship that a lot of people do. Me neither. Um, a lot. I know that uh, We Built This City always catches a lot of flack. It does. I don't think it was rated VH1's like worst video or worst song of all time. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't think that it's the best thing on the face of the planet. But, you know, it's I, a cheesy song. I can think of a lot worse songs personally i've heard some real you know real stinkers that i would think of before we built this city and you know i mean i mean i was a kid in the i, I was a kid that watched the you know the very beginning of mtv and uh you know i saw gray slick pop up for the video and i, I paid attention to it and it, it was an earworm man and it caught you and not only that but the other thing that record knee deep in the hoopla produced sarah you know sarah mm-hmm. which is i don't think while the lyrics are a tad bit vapid, like Jane, mm. is not the worst song in the world. Like no. I'd like to say that about Jane is too. You know, the first fifteen seconds of Jane is actually pretty damn cool. It'll catch your ear. Those uh, those those keyboard parts are pretty interesting. And I think that's evident in the fact that they used it in the beginning of Wet Hot American Summer. Exactly. You know, it definitely gives you the feeling of the eighties, the seventies turning into the eighties. Um, you know, just a lot of freewheeling, good times, short shorts, teased hair, <laughs> uh, cocaine. Yes. Um, you know, just it's a weird smell. Well, I think I pointed this, might have pointed out to this in an earlier conversation that whatever was the M.O. of the period, they kind of latched on to. You know, they were folkies, and then they were psychedelic. In the 70s, they went the prog rock route, you know, with, like Yes did. And then in the 1980s, all of a sudden around Jane era, you, you saw them go very, very acid wash. You know, Paul Kantner looked like he could have been an extra in the Karate Kid throughout that entire period. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they caught the 1984 synthesizer bug, and that was what you heard all over Knee Deep in the Hoopla. And, and you know, whatever was going on at the time, that was what, you know, that was what they did. And this was the same the same thing could be said for asia which became a super which was a super group that was made up of members of of yes yes and the buggles yes um and a couple of other bands which um wasn't it toto uh i think mem- maybe members, members of, of toto, toto i think yeah. um but basically all of these fantastic musicians coming from all of these prog bands and all of these new wave bands who got together to write uh, what was their their big hit? Uh, oh, uh, heat of the heat moment. Heat of the moment. It is that is a really. I mean, a lot of people make fun of that songs. You know, is, if ever there was an acid acid washed song, that was probably it. But I love that song. I think that's a really great song. The words are pretty good. The words are actually really good. Not like Jane. Yeah, which no. is not that good. <laughs> no. So let's let's get into that. Absolutely. Let's get into the words for Jane. I would like to say that um, this is. Um, they actually, one of their newer bass players actually wrote this song. His name was David Freeberg. And the song is written by one of their newer vocalists, a guy named Mickey Thomas, who looks like every guy that worked at a Napa Auto Parts in the 1980s and 90s. You would have seen him walking down the street in your city. He was your average American. He was the face of every man. Beautiful mullet. But a gorgeous voice. Gorgeous voice. Yes. So right off, I just want to say that these lyrics sound like they come from the perspective of someone 
who is who has multiple personality disorder and is also the biggest gaslighter on the face of the planet. You are dead on. You um, are, go ahead with that first line. How fucking problematic. It is. Jane, you say it's all over for you and me, girl. The end of a relationship. That's a foundational basis for childhood dysfunction and pop songwriting, and that's what we open with. There's a time for love and a time for letting it be, baby. There's something weird to me right off that he's calling her two pet names in a row. That Yeah, yeah. It's ju- It just kind of reeks immediately of uh, over-petting, over-indulging in, hey, baby, yeah. darling, sweetie pie. Yes. Sugar tits. Um, uh, uh, uh it's just objectification the objectification of this woman you don't see i don't think he really looks at her it's just a conquest right from the get-go it's she's not a human being this is something i'm gonna get her i'm gonna set her straight yes yes you say it's all over for you and me there's a time for love and a time for letting it be and a time for every purpose under heaven jane you're playing a game called hard to get by its real name i don't even know if i know what that fucking sentence means i I, there's a there's at the end of it he actually beautifully sums up the confusion of this song like at the last line but we're gonna get to that um so you're playing a game called hard to get by its real name which seems to be the real name is i don't want to be with you anymore (laughs) pretty well and he's saying you're saying that but i don't well, we'll get there. We're thinking that Gay- Dave Freeberg probably didn't get the hint. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not the guy that would pick up on nuance. Making believe that you just don't feel the same. Oh, Jane. And isn't 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 every woman out there looking for a middle-aged rocker to tell her how she feels? <laughs> I mean, really. I love both the fact that he says making believe that you just don't feel the same. Yeah. As if he knows what she really wants. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And... Yeah. And then he caps it off with, oh, Jane. Oh, Jane. <laughs> you silly bitch. Oh, Jane. <laughs> like, he just has this view of like, oh, you silly. I know how you feel. You don't know how you feel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're gotta, just, you're making believe. You're just acting. You just sit there and be pretty, doll. Exactly. Yeah. Second verse, Jane, you're playing a game. This is where we start getting really weird. Jane, you're playing a game you can never win, girl. I'll be the winner here, sister. Like, he has now made the rules. Yeah. He's telling you, you're not going to win. This is... He a- suddenly figured out that he's the alpha male. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, there's only going to be one winner here, and it's me. Yeah. You're staying away, so I'll ask you where you've been, baby. Probably trying to get away from him. Right. Yeah. And, uh... And then, you know, if that wasn't stalkerish enough, like a cat and a mouse. That, that, that is the weakest of similes. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's a, terrible. It's a really bad simile. It's a terrible simile, It's a, it, but it's a scary simile. You're talking about another human being who has their own free will. And they're pretending it, it's... She's like, I'm out of here. And he's like, oh, you silly turd. 
he's like, admitting to predation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and he's like, so you leave. So now now we're playing a game of cat and mouse. And she's saying, it seems to me, I don't want to play cat and mouse. I'm I'm leaving. Yes. From door to door and house to house. Is she a Jehovah's Witness? I think he's going from house to house to find her. I, do, I don't know. He, I, I, he, this is one of those, this confusion. It sets in right here in a big way. Well, I don't know. he says, don't you pretend you don't know what I'm talking about, hmm. which is an overly complicated sentence. Mark, I'm not pretending that I don't know what he's talking about. Don't you pretend that you don't know that I don't know. <laughs> that you, don't know you don't know that I don't know that you don't know what I'm talking about. Ugh. It's like a triple negative, I think. It is. Um, so, yeah, this woman is saying it's all over. She's out of here. And he's just saying, no, no, no. And I I can't tell if the going door to door and house to house is her going around. I'm trying to get away. Sleeping around with other people. Or but just it, let me in. I'm trying to get away from this guy. Banging like a, on the door. <laughs> yeah. You're staying, you're, you're staying away. So I'll ask you where you've been. And I can't tell if that's her sleeping around with other people or her just like going somewhere else. But in, in either, in either way, it's none of his fucking business. No, it's not. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, when I read this and, and went over the lyrics, like, you know, I would do for this for, in preparation for this is I just could not figure out what in the hell he was talking about. I mean, when he brings up the whole cat and the mouse thing, I mean, I do realize that this is the whole predation thing. He's looking at her like, you know, she's a conquest. I'm I'm going to be the big, you know, the killer that's going out to get it. At the same time, I'm cheering. I wanted this to be like a Tom and Jerry type situation <laughs> where the where the where the mouse is just constantly winning. Please right. get away from this guy, please. I just think that it's amazing that you're saying I couldn't figure out what he's talking about. And at the end of the second verse, he says, "Don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about." I, I, he I, thinks that he's so clear, but even as a a a, a, a conscientious objector <laughs> or or a, a a person on the sidelines we're sitting here going dude i have no fucking clue what you're talking about i, I don't know what's going on I, I have no idea what's what's going on here um, at all were all those nights we spent together hey hey only because you didn't know better no no, she probably was there because he had food in the fridge or AC or cable or something like that and not tell, not actually wanting the guy. Well, this to me is the strangest part of the song. Okay. So the first two verses, he was 110% sure. Yes. Like he, he was, you know, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're saying you don't want to be with me, but you're wrong. Right. This is kind of like where he hits the 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 point, I guess, of the typical like seventies male of being like, "Baby, come on." Is this his attempt to be sensitive? I think this is I, because it comes off as insecure. I think he's kind of doing this like uh, setting himself up as being the the victim. Yeah. Were all those nights we spent together only because you didn't know better? I gotta know. I gotta know. I thought he knew. Yeah, I thought he was the most confident thing on the, you know, uh, in the game, so to speak. Jane, you're playing a game, playing a game, playing a game, mm-hmm. yeah. and then uh, I think here is where he goes, Ugh. 
and there's that's a guitar right. solo. That's exactly right. He makes a little yes, noise. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does yeah. a... Uh, it's some sort of release. And then there's a... It's a really... You know, for all the joy that those first 15 seconds in that keyboard part brought, this guitar just gets wankster as it possibly can get from this point on out. Oh, you can just feel the strings bending. Ugh, you can feel um, my psyche bending. And, ugh. Go ahead. Never has a woman been called out so much for playing a game. Uh, just constant, you're playing a game. In the first verse, you're playing a game called Hard to Get by its real name. Then you're playing a game you can never win. Uh, then you're playing a game, playing a game, playing a game. I don't think at any point he's saying that she's playing the same game. No. Well, he does He does give light to what game she might be playing, but it just adds more to the confusion. Because the next line is, oh, Jane, you're playing a game of hide and go seek. Right. Now, right. earlier she was playing a game. Don't, 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 uh, don't, don't you pretend not to know what I'm talking about. You know, she, she, they knew, she knew what was, uh, was going on. He was sure she knew what was going on, but now, oh wait, she's playing a game of hide and seek. Or maybe this references back to the whole door to door thing. Maybe she was seeking refuge and he had to go seek her out. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's, this is earlier, just the most confusing song. Yeah. Uh, you're playing a game you can never win. You're staying away, so I'll ask you where you've been. You're playing a game called Hard to Get. So she was playing Hard to Get. Mm-hmm. Now she's playing Hide and Go Seek. Then she's going to play Scategories. <laughs> Tomorrow well, night she's going to play Yahtzee. And Mickey Thomas really loves a really, really lively game of Peekaboo. I've, I've heard he's really into... Uh, he's really, really good at charades. I'm... Well, uh, she's playing for fun. That's all I know from the next line is that she's playing. But he... And he... This is another one of those. Talk about a problematic line. Yeah. And, you know, I know we spoke before about separating the art from the artist and knowing the times they were in. And the 70s were definitely a problematic man time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're playing for fun, but I play for keeps. Oh, he is the man. Yeah. Yes, I do. He is the man. He's, he's, he's set the rules. He's, and, he's put his foot down. Yeah. But that's not how he ends the song. No. Uh, that's a game on me. Yeah. What does that mean? I, I, I don't. Well, the yeah is an actual lyric that I just said. Yeah, but it's a game, game on, on me. Yeah, I don't deepening the confusion to this song. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Jane, Jane, Jane. So plain to see. It's not. As never has there been a more obscured vision of what the theme of a song is than than Jane. I don't. I don't get it. The only thing that I see clearly here is cocaine use. Well. That, and lots of it. Yeah. I mean, barrels, barrels of, of booger sugar. Uh, this would have been a time in the United States that um, a, a a white sheen would have been left in every rock and roll club bathroom countertop um, that you that you came across. There would just be, you know, a powder floating through the air. There would be a mist of it. You know, in any rock show that you went to, it was everywhere. It, it just permeated uh, the United States, uh, the, the rock and roll America. 
you're right. That 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 I think that is what's coming through because it goes back and forth from confidence to insecurity the whole way. And if you know anything about cocaine, you know that 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 insecurity just drives you right back to the table. Absolutely. Um Janie, 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 Janie. He's already they're already saying Jane, Jane, Jane. And he might have forgotten the name. Then he just says Janie, 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 Janie. Why you fooling with me, me, me? He just said he played for keeps. You know, I mean Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the view is I'm if I was Jane, can we can can we try maybe role playing this a bit? Yeah, absolutely. You're Jane, I am David Freeberg or Mickey Thomas. Yeah. Okay. We can try. You're you're Jane. Um Jane. Uh yeah. I'm listen. Uh I've been looking everywhere for you and uh this is uh, I I feel like that I have to set the boundaries in this relationship right now. We have to lay down some ground rules. Well, I don't want to be with you. <sighs> You don't really realize, you haven't realized, you haven't come to grips with the fact that I am the man. I'm the one mm-hmm. that's supposed to set the ground rules. And and I know that deep down, you want those ground rules. You need those ground rules. You need me on that wall, Jane. No, I don't want to be with you. I'm done and that's it. Okay. Is this is, is this a game? Is this a game? But, wait, it is. But what you don't know is that I can win. I know the rules of the game. I know how to break it down. Uh-huh. And deep down, you need me. You you want me. It's 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 there. I've been playing a game. All right. Well, can you hold on just a second? Wait just one second. Oh okay. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, you really need me. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. This is good. Uh. I can see him winning her back, I guess. I'm ready to take on the world. Maybe this song is a lot better than I thought. God, I'm so strong. I'm going to take off. Um, and then it's just Jane, Jane, Jane a bunch. Yeah, it, it really is, man. It's, it's, it's God, I, I, I think if that ever there was a 1980s gaslighting anthem, this is it. This is totally it. I, I don't mean, want to say that this song is solely responsible for... Um, a lot of the uh, male macho attitude of the 80s. Um, no. But it might have something to do with it. Uh, the lack it didn't of, help. The lack of awareness, the, um, the, uh, the V8 cars that were being produced, the hairspray that was everywhere in the air, and the cocaine all added to everything that you're just... You know, it is uh, all added to the problems that, that, uh, that, that you know, I don't want to say that the 80s, you know, that the whole uh, message of the 80s culminated in this song. I think that it was part of it. It definitely didn't help. Uh, it didn't help anybody. No. Um, you know, I heard this song just about every single day of my life in the first 15 years of my working career. I worked in cabinet shops for a long time. And this was... 80s radio this was a staple of 80s radio and this was drilled into our heads and i know that subconsciously deep down there was somebody telling me that you're the man and she's you just got to show her that you're the man and that's it you know it's the only way you know 
That's the only way you'll ever get anywhere is if you put your foot... Wait a minute, she might not want you. No, wait, you are the man. If you tell her she's playing a game enough... She'll believe She'll you. just believe it and yeah. be like, yeah, I guess I am. I guess yeah. that's what I'm doing. I mean, and that was all over the place. I mean, we had guys... I mean, back in those days, we weren't aware of what a shithead Ted Nugent was. You know, Wang Jesus Dang, that sweet Christ. poontang. Songs oh. like this that just, you know... Uh, we we weren't aware. I'm not going to say that musically this is a horrific song, although we've gotten to the point where I can point out a couple of things. It is one of the wankiest guitar solos at about this point in the song that we've gotten to. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the video, you know, the guy that actually plays the solo, his name's Craig Chiquico. He's, in the videos, he's wearing a Jefferson Starship shirt, which oh. is, uh, is the biggest... You know, biggest oh. no-no when it comes to being in a band. He also he also is playing a a BC Rich Warlock, which Hell yes. you and I both know is a guitar a guitar normally reserved for metal worshippers. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's blazing one of those. Uh, it really is a a, a um, just a a, a a wankster tool if ever there was one. If you know anything about guitars, uh, look up a Slayer, and you'll see you'll see a BC Rich market Mockingbird. Um, in whatever picture that, you know, Google Images pops up or whatever pops, you know, image way, find, you know, any way you find, try to find pictures of that. Um, you know, you know, we can sit here and blame this song on Dave Freeberg because he's the guy that's ri- that's written it. But I- I'm going to blame this song on the whole damn band because, I mean, they really all just contributed to the awfulness of, of what came out and the, and the horrible message that it spread, you know. And we we should make it clear that Grace Slick was not in the band at this point. So she cannot be blamed. She can't be blamed at this point for what they're producing. However, it was not long after this. It was a common theme with uh, Jefferson airplane starship and Jefferson starship and starship that members would come and go, you know, Paul Cantor, I think was almost always there, but um, uh, Marty Balin, um, their other guitar player, he was coming and going, and so was she. And it wasn't long after this song came out that she started to tour with them all the time. And you can hear her singing back up on a lot of the live videos and playing a tambourine. There's a lot of live cowbell involved in this rec- in, in this song. Um, but, you know... Yeah, she came back in 1981. She came back yep. for the next album. Yep, yep. Um, and she performed this with them on a on a daily basis, you know. So, every day of her life we can't just exonerate her of culpability in this one you know we can't for sure yeah. i i don't want to say that she's but i blame the whole band mark it's awful i don't blame you yeah well that's that's that huh that's that those that is <laughs> let's just, get these lyrics out of here these lyrics are going just some of the most problematic uh you know not large not the most problematic but some of the most problematic radio lyrics that you listen to and let fly by without realizing basically this guy is just probably doing handfuls of pure Colombian cocaine yeah and telling this woman you're playing a game and uh you know you're going to come back to me whether you like it or not. It gives you that false confidence that uh that you are someone and something special that you know everyone's going to want and uh Man, I mean, would I, would I be safe to say that the 80s were a rather dysfunctional time in our country? Yeah. Yeah, I think I w- so. I would. I definitely would. It's uh... You mentioned earlier 1980s mm-hmm. and V8 cars. Yes. 
And our next song is about a very special car to a very special man. That's right. Diamond Dave. Yes. We're going to be talking about Panama by Van Halen. You know, in, in the course of sitting here and talking about all of the things that we've talked about and how dysfunctional lyrics are at that time, um, I actually know a little bit more about the upcoming song than I did about that one. And I know the lyrics that were going on at the time. And, and when I... When I look back on that song, there's a soft spot in my heart because I grew up with that song and I always thought it was so cool. If you would have picked up a Webster's Dictionary in the 1980s and looked up the word cool or party, it would have said anywhere within 100 feet of David Lee Roth. Diamond Um, Dave. Yeah, Diamond Dave. I mean, and it's just... um, But, however, I do have to admit that there is a portion of the lyrics kind of fall in line with the times. Yeah, um, there is obviously loads of Van Halen songs we could have done from that time. Yeah, there's a couple of songs that I could mention that were just, I mean, would probably get David Lee Roth thrown in jail just for writing and singing them today. I mean, yeah, yeah. questionable at best. Yes. Well, thank you very much for listening. Make sure you listen to uh, Panama by David Lee Roth and Van Halen. If you haven't already a million times, you can watch it in the film Super Bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we will be back next week with those lyrics and some more. Listen to it. Don't take it to heart. Love you, Mark. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>